0: Welcome to Modern Signed Books on Blog Talk Radio. If you're interested in what makes your favorite authors and collectors tick, then you'll love hearing what they have to say in our live interviews. Learn how they got started writing, the books and authors that inspired them, what they have in their personal collections, and much more. Meet today's hottest authors as they discuss their life and writing in revealing conversations with our book specialist, Roger Nichols. And find us at modernsignbooks.blogspot.com. Now sit back and enjoy a few minutes with Modern Sign Books. Here's Roger. Welcome to Blog Talk Radio. Eric Van Lesbader was born and raised in Greenwich Village, according to the ever-reliable Wikipedia and he had some friends that maybe some of us didn't. He lived downstairs from Lauren Bacall and built, it says here, Orange Crate Racers in Washington Square Park with Keith and David caratine He is a graduate of Columbia College with a degree in sociology. And while you know him from his numerous action, adventure, and fantasy series, including the continuation of the Jason Bourne series after the death of originator Robert Ludlum, you probably don't know that before he became a full-time writer, he had a career in the New York City school system where he holds licenses in elementary and early childhood education, but as they say in the Ginsu knives ads, that's not all. He also worked in the music business for Electra and CBS he, Records. He wrote for Cashbox magazine, and he predicted the success way ahead of the time of Elton John, Santana, Jimi Hendrix, Debbie Bowie, and the Who. Oh, and he wrote a Batman graphic novel, and he's married to fellow author. Victoria Bader, His latest is Any Moment Now, out just last week, a seriously heavy-duty page turner that will, I speak from personal experience here, keep you up all night. We're very pleased to welcome Eric Van Bader.
1: Thank you, Roger. Great to be here.
0: Yeah. You told one interviewer that writers should think of their own flaws or their enemies' flaws to create a realistic character, and you said over the course of the book, the character will work to correct those flaws. I'm going to ask you what your flaws are that you you have to deal with. I have no flaws. <laughs> what was I, I thinking? I worked out
1: all my flaws. No, I have a lot. <laughs> I actually a lot of my flaws have been um, exercised by my wife. <clears throat> I was an only child, so I was kind of a selfish kid, and um, that's the way you know. That's the way some some. Um, some only only children are brought up, and my wife, um, who has a huge heart, her mom, who just died, had a huge heart, has a big family, and uh, she taught me the joys of sharing, which I had never partaken of before. Um, I'm kind of um, I can be kind of impulsive. I can, um, but on the other hand, I'm a real Capricorn. I'm I'm um, very loyal, mm-hmm. and. Um, um, you know, I'm driven. I, I don't think that's a flaw. I mean, but it's um, has been. Uh, you know, di- it's difficult to be driven like that because you wake up one day and you think, um, Gosh, all I've been doing is working, and um, why don't I spend a year, take a year off, and just travel? We have traveled to a lot of places, but but mainly um, uh, doing research for my
0: books. Mm-hmm. That makes it nicely tax deductible too.
1: <laughs> I never thought of it that way, but yes, it, it does. Yeah.
0: What I uh, I love some of the really fine things you put in. There are little there are little bits and pieces of cultural references scattered all through here. And I was I as I was going through, I was uh, to- toting them up with uh, everything from the Odyssey to Captain America to Begin the Begin. And one of my favorites is Cutler's reference to Doctor Strangelove when he believes that Americans' addiction to high fructose corn syrup is draining its males of its precious bodily fluids. That's
1: <laughs> <laughs> that was yeah. That made me laugh writing that. <laughs> it makes me laugh hearing you say it too. Um, <clears throat> you know, I th- I think that um, as um, Page Turnerish as my books are and. Um, I, I always like to feel that people who are reading my books actually learn things when they're uh, there's nothing worse for me than books that are like cotton candy, and you you know you read them and two seconds later you've forgotten what you've read. Yeah. Um, so I really like to um, put in to the books um, things that are important to me, things that frighten me. I mean, that's one of the main reasons why I write uh, the things I do because, um, I write about things that, that frighten me. And by putting them down on the page, uh, they become less frightening to me because, um, of course, when I'm the author and put things down on the page, I can control them. Uh, it gives me a full sense of security because actually life is, is chaos and we can't hardly control much of anything. Um, and that's a terrifying thought um and one of, one of the reasons why i think you know religion is um flourished as, as down through the ages the way it has is, is uh uh people can feel like there is a guiding force some reason for things happening when in fact i, I just think that there isn't that things are just chaos
0: yeah they are as they, they are. are yeah
1: yeah so, uh, but human beings don't, do not flourish well in chaos. I mean, I, I can't think of um, any creature on Earth that, that, that does, uh, maybe cockroaches, <laughs> I, don't <know. laughs> I don't know. But otherwise, I, I, I think that, uh, you know, the natural, as humans like to say, the natural order of things, there is no natural order of things. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's the order that, you know, humans impose on uh, a chaotic world. I mean, you know, the sense of time, for instance, mm-hmm. is um there's a very very important uh, sense of order I mean one of the reasons the main reason that time was invented was um, when I say time I mean like uh, the clocks and mm-hmm. um, um, not I mean obviously there were there were things like like uh, hourglasses and and um, sundials but when it comes to the actual minute by minute um, that was that was um, when the when uh, railroads came into being because mm-hmm. railroads needed the schedule they right. needed to run on a schedule and they couldn't do it without uh, minute by minute clocks so that again that's that's you know um necessity the, the necessities of mankind uh, imposing itself on on uh, the chaos of, of the universe
0: well and we're and, and, getting to. Too serious? I, is that, no, I love that. I can, I can laugh with the best of them, you know. I'm I'm sure you can't. <laughs> I have that feeling, <laughs> and and what I'm trying very desperately not to do is to drool all over the microphone and fanboy appreciation for all the wonderful work you have done. So, um, pardon no, me if I. I, I really that. appreciate that. I never.
1: <laughs> you're not the first person to say it, but I never get tired of hearing it. Yeah. And b- by the way, I uh, that's that's a uh, I I stole that from um, John Lennon when I had dinner with him one night after. An Elton John concert, Elton was kind enough to sit me next to John. And I was, you know, kind of overawed, even though I had met so many um, uh, in, in my in my decade in the music business, so so many big um, um, pop stars. Uh, he was my, had always been my idol from the first time I heard the first Beatles. Mm-hmm. Uh, song and and the thought that maybe he would turn out to be a jerk, which some of them happened to turn out to be, I I was was unbearable. But you know, I said, turned to him and I said, John, um, I know you've heard this before, um, but you know, your music changed my life. And he gave me this little smile and he said. Yeah, you're right, but I but I never get tired of hearing it.
0: <laughs> and it was
1: a very honest thing. I mean, he turned out to be one of the most wonderful, genuine, mm-hmm. untaken with himself human beings, and um, it was devastating for me as it was for many other people when he was killed. It was right. horrible, no. horrible
0: thing. No, that was anyway a, the. Oh. That was a blow to all of us. Absolutely. Yeah,
1: it was. Yeah. Um, but i wanted one of my other flaws since i just i mean i just thought it is, is, is something i didn't realize um un, until um i, I started a, a series with Jack McClure is that um i'm dyslexic no there there's really? a, there's a um and, and one of the one of the things that that means is that my brain works um at a very very high rate of speed mm-hmm. um, which is um why I sometimes have trouble uh, reading things I reverse um, letters and um, skip over words, but um, it, it's something that you learn how to uh, deal with, and actually some of the great minds of the, of, of the world were dyslexic, including um, Einstein and Michelangelo, and um, there's a whole slew of others. But I don't think of that as a flaw, but it's something that you have to uh, be aware of and, mm-hmm. and deal with every every day. Uh-huh. And um, one of the great joys of my life was after <clears throat> I published the first Jack book, um, which is called First Daughter, um, mm-hmm. um, I got tons of uh, email on my website from uh, parents who had dyslexic children or who were dyslexic, dyslexic themselves, and really didn't understand what it meant or what what they could do about it. And in describing how Jack McClure, as a as a child, is helped out, um, I, um, th- they they really found uh, their way to understanding what what the their particular brain function was was all about. So that, that was, that's, um, when you can do something like that, and you see that's, again, what I'm saying about um, putting in nuggets of, of things you can learn in, in my books. Right. Um, and when it comes back to you like that, it's, it's, a, uh, it's, you know, it's a tremendous uh, feeling of accomplishment.
0: Well, it, I assume you feel like you've done some good in the world other than, you know, just entertain, you also have instructed and helped people.
1: Well, I, I, yes, that's, I mean, that's true, and it's happened uh, from um, almost the beginning of my career, which spans about 40 years now. Yeah. When I wrote um, a book called Black Heart um, many years ago in the 80s, um, it was about the war in Cambodia, and, and um, I got, following the book's publication, I, this was before emails, so mm-hmm. I got many, many uh, letters from uh, Vietnam War veterans, and mainly, I don't know, understand why, but mainly gunship um, soldiers, hmm. um, saying that when they were in Vietnam, they didn't understand why they were there. And it was only after reading Black Heart that, that they understood what the war was about and why, why they were fighting it. And I uh. just, you know, that just floored me. It was just um, the kind of thing that I think every every novelist dreams about getting uh, letters like this that that where your books you're not writing nonfiction you know you're not writing self-help books you're writing fiction um that they've really helped people and um to me that's one of the great accomplishments of my career is is getting that feedback from people where i've actually helped them
0: what a wonderful thing to have uh I have a little file of thank-you notes and whatnot. Every time I get depressed, I look at that. Um, it's not huge, but it, it helps. But having that kind of reaction from very large numbers of people will be a wonderful uplift for you.
1: Um, yeah, and, I, I, you know, it's uh, writing is very difficult. Um, you know, it's a solitary thing. I mean, I'm incredibly lucky to have uh, married a woman who is an editor and a writer um, who you know, therefore understands um, the difficulties of writing and how I'm often not, um, don't want to see people because I don't want to, I'm totally immersed in mm-hmm. the world of the book I'm writing at the moment. Um, but I, I I think that um, it, it's, it's to, a, to a great, and it's also, you know, I don't have, I mean, I have tremendous freedom because I work for myself more or less, but but you know it's um, you're you're really working from work to work, and it almost these days doesn't matter um, how long you've been or how successful you've been, um, how long your career is, or how successful you've been in your career. Um, what matters is what did your last book do? And yeah. you know that's kind of a um, depressing feeling for uh, in a, in an industry that is supposed to be creative, right? but yeah. that, but the, you know, the, 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 the pressures of a business and running a business and making money, uh, dictates it. You know, I guess it's, you know, it's the same in, in films mm-hmm. as well. You oh, know, yeah. you can be Johnny Depp and be huge and you'd have two bombs of, of pictures and people start questioning, you know, where's your career going? So, um, right. I'm in that category, but you know, so it's it's 40 years of you know sort of being on the edge of how much money I'm making, uh, where is it going to come from, what is it going to be from year to year? I'm not complaining. It's not. Yeah. I'm not complaining at all. It's just that's just the nature of the beast, um, and of course you've got to have um, thick skin because not everybody's going to like what you do, and and um, some people say ridiculous things that make you realize that. They never even read the book, um, but uh, they have an agenda. And, you know, that's that's why I really, ra- rarely read reviews. Yeah. Um, I used to review myself when I was in the music business. Yeah. And I was scrupulous about, um, you know, being as fair as I could
0: mm-hmm. and
1: um, not having an axe to grind. I mean, you know, that's the worst thing that oh, yeah. uh, can happen for reviewers is, is that they have an axe to grind or they are just you know, bitter about not being able to do what you do. Yeah. And, um, so, you know, I was just reading, I uh, was just, uh, to go off on a very short tangent. Sure. Um, my wife and I have just been, been watching stranger things, which is a, um, a show on, uh, Netflix that is just fantastic. And it's got, gotten great reviews and people love it. But uh, on the other hand, I read, I just read a couple of people Saying that it was just all pastiche, that there were no characterizations, that that it was had at heart, it was just empty, and I'm thinking I don't I don't know what show they're watching because it 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 does it the characters are phenomenal. I mean that's what makes the show so terrific and, and puts it beyond being a pastiche of of 80s uh, horror film tropes. Um, otherwise, I mean, otherwise I wouldn't be watching it. I mean, it was just hooked on the characters. I mean, that that's the thing about what, I mean, a lot of people don't understand about thrillers or uh, genre stuff is that if you don't have good characters uh, for people to hook onto, then it, there's, you don't have anything.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: You know, I mean, I, I sometimes get um, dissed for, you know, having not having character-driven, you know, literary kind of that thats too much plot that it's plot driven but my plots um to me are kind of secondary to the characters i mean if you don't have a have good characters you don't have uh character arcs which are essential to to any kind of um writing you know a character has to be a character arc is let's say you Create a character. There's something wrong with this character. There's something in in his or her past, or he or she is lacking something in their personality, or they can't do something. And the character arc is over the course of the book, or the film, or whatever it is you're writing. Uh, that person finds what that part of them that's missing, mm-hmm. and that that's what makes a fulfilling uh, character arc, and that's what draws people in because. People are like that. People are, understand that they that they're flawed, that they're uh-huh. missing something, and they love reading about people who are like them, even if they are, you know, characters like mine that you know uh-huh. jump over tall buildings with a single bound. I'm 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 making a joke. It's not that. Yes. But but um, e- even though that you know they they're they have heightened abilities, they're they're as flawed as anyone else, and uh-huh. and he, and that readers like that. I mean that that's. They they have to identify with your character, in order to get them hooked into um, reading your books, and yeah. it's very very important. And uh, I think a lot of uh, contemporary thriller stuff, and as to me, is just all plot and not really interesting characters.
0: Wow, um, I'm sorry I'm and, sorry to hear that because I I want to find out who it is that you read when uh, when you kick back.
1: Oh, when I kick back, and I'm I, you know I'm reading. I'm an inveterate reader. I read all the time. I was I was the minute I could read. Uh, when I was like six years old, I started reading. I started writing uh, poetry and then short stories. Right now, I'm reading um, a um, a guy named Philip Kerr, who I know for a long time. He I, I, I met him out in L.A. at the L.A. Book Fair. Um, I'm, it's a book called The Lady from Zagreb, he writes about Nazi Germany and he writes about uh, this character, Bernie Gunther, who is a uh, detective um, and sort of um, he's always a detective, but he gets kicked around from place to place because he's he's not he's not at all a Nazi and he's very much against the the Nazi regime. But but he manages to land on his feet and uh, this tremendous amount of wonderful history and this guy Philip Kerr, um, he's been called the um, the heir to Raymond Chandler, and he very much is. He's it's a very he writes noir fiction, which, which is right. it's very very funny in a sardonic way. Uh, it's very descriptive of the time. You really feel like you're there. Um, I mean, other things that I read, I love I love this um, uh, uh, writer called Megan Abbott. Mm-hmm. um who's written a number of really interesting almost YA books about about um teenage girls i mean i'm very eclectic in my in my uh in my reading i don't read but i don't read thrillers really i don't um you know i don't i i love the books of of emily st john mandel um and um i don't know i could go on and on and on but yeah. uh, I'd like to talk a little bit about um, any any minute now because it's a very different kind of book than what I've written before.
0: Okay. Um, uh, let's talk about any moment now, since that's what we're we're here to talk about. Um, this one starts out with a mission, and I love the fact that you you put us as as most of the great artists do put you in the middle of what's going on right away, and that sucks you right in. And next, you got to know what happens next. So. Uh, thank you for that, and it's a scary mission to begin with.
1: Uh, yeah, it's very scary, um, especially once you realize after the fact that um, the mission was sabotaged to begin with,
0: mm-hmm.
1: um, which is what everyone calls the inciting incident, which is the the the, the, <laughs> the incident in a book or film that turns everything upside down, and from and the film takes off from there, or the or the book takes off from there. Um, it's a, it's an interesting book because for a number of reasons, number one, um, the, the main character in my mind, at least is, is, uh, Charlie Dow, who is, uh, the ex-girlfriend of the mm. nominal, um, hero of the book. Um, and we don't really meet her until, um, a little bit further into the book. And she's in not great shape when, when we do meet her, yeah. but uh, to me, she's really one of the most awesome characters I've ever created, and I totally fell in love with her um, right away. In fact, my agent fell so much in love with her that he wants me to do a, a, uh, a book just about her.
0: Um, and that was one of my <laughs> one of my questions because it felt to me like this is a character with so much background. You feel like you're you're coming into a fully realized person here.
1: Um, yeah, I mean she she was one of these people who wrote herself into the book. I mm-hmm. mean, I um had in my uh, in my outlines, you know, um, she she comes in when she's supposed to come in, but I hadn't fully sketched out the character. i don't I don't really like to do that um because i my writing is very organic, and if everything is written down beforehand, I feel like what I'm doing is is mechanical, yeah, and doesn't have the um, uh, the depth of feeling that that I I want in my books. So as I was writing the first scene between um, Charlie and her ex, I she just came fully formed, like out of the head of Zeus, mm-hmm. as it were, um, and. The more I wrote about her, I mean, I, I just, I just think the dialogue between the two of them is some of the best dialogue I've ever written. It's, it's just very special, and um, so to me, the book is really, you know, even though it's about the, this trio of people, um, she's really the main, the mainstay of the book, and um, but the book has. Uh, an interesting twist to it because there is an an occult element to it that um, I wasn't sure I wanted to do, mm-hmm. but um, actually, when when I saw, let's see uh, the first season of um, True Detective, uh huh, um, and there was that kind of strange, kind of quasi uh occult there re- there was nothing really occult happening but it was hinted ab- hinted about yes i was sort of teased but never never acted upon mm-hmm. and i i, I that, anno- that annoyed me and i wanted to um do a riff on that where it actually was um, that the occult um, area down there was 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 real mm-hmm. and so i made that a part of the, a part of the book. And that's part of the book to me. That is the most, that is the scariest. Oh, it um, is. I mean, it scared me the most. So I, I assume it would scare most of the readers too. Um, and it, it, um, it made, it gave them the, to me, it gave the book um, an 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 added dimension that my other books have, have not had, you know, I, as I said to you, I have a career that spans 40 years, and um, I never, before I wrote full-time, I could never hold down a job for more than two, two and a half years because I got bored. Uh-huh. Um, not only that, but I knew more than my bosses, so, you know, <laughs> that's not a great position to find yourself in unless no. you want to, you know, you want to crawl up the um, corporate ladder, which I certainly did not want to do at CBS Records or Elektra. Yeah. Um I'm not a... I'm not a corporate kind of guy at all. Um, in fact, I hate that kind of stuff. <laughs> um, but so, um, you know, I, I, um, I'm, I, I feel as if I need to... This is why one of the reasons why I read constantly, is I want to get better. I mm. feel like um, my writing changes from year to year and from decade to decade, and, and that I keep getting better because I learn more. Um, it's not like somebody teaches me, but I but I understand more. I hone my skills more. I don't like to just sit back and write the same thing over and over again. And now somebody could say, well, you've written you know um, 10 Jason Bourne novels, and uh, I have 90 pages of the 11th. That I'm I'm working on now um, but if you read those books uh, in in order you will see that none of them are the same no uh, that's that sure. uh, you can see a difference in style you can see an, a, an evolution not only of the born character but um, not that the born character changes but you it, it, he he increases in depth and mm-hmm. you get to know him better and better and um, the characters he encounters become more interesting more involving um also more in depth and um and that's i mean but you know when i did the jack books i did 5 books and that was it i uh, people wanted me to write more but uh after beloved enemy i felt found that i had nothing more to say um about that character yeah and sometimes uh, readers don't understand that i mean they Readers would like when they finish a book, they would like you. They'd like where's the next one. Yes. They really can't uh, grasp that it takes a long time to r- write a book, you know, and to edit it and to proofread it and to you know make sh- market it and to get a cover. And it's it's not you know an overnight process mm-hmm. um, unless you're writing junk. And yeah. uh, that you know I'd rather shoot myself than right you know right drunk so i mean i don't think i'm capable of it really so no i i'm not trying to be big-headed about it just uh i feel like what i do is quality work and um i do the best i can um is it perfect it probably isn't you know i i I had something recently uh, uh, on my twitter feed someone said to me that they were reading any minute now and they loved it but there was a um there was a mention of a Glock revolver, and she said, "You know, Glock isn't a revolver, and you spoiled the whole book for me."
0: Oh, fantastic! And I thought,
1: "Wow, well, yeah, that's that's, <laughs> that's pretty uh, extreme." If if one little editing mistake, and and it yeah. certainly is a mistake. I mean, uh, I know that um, a Glock is an automatic and not a revolver, and I don't know how that got in there, and I don't know why my editors or proofreaders didn't um, didn't pick it up. But those things happen. You know, there are, I don't know, you know, how many millions of uh, words in a, in a book. And, you know, f- you have one mistake or you have, um, you know, a, 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 uh, a spelling error and people get their nose out of joint. And it's just really kind of uh, inexplicable to me that, that, uh, you know, you, your, your reading experience could be um, upended by by one thing like that. I mean, that's
0: we have crazy. a tendency as people to fixate on the one thing that's wrong rather than the 99 things that aren't. Uh,
1: that is so true, and I don't understand that. It's part of the human condition, and I don't like it. I try <laughs> not to do that myself because it's it's a self defeating, um, it's a, a, a self defeating um, thing to do. I mean, I, I, but you're right that people generally do that they they uh, they fixate on one thing and you know there's some readers who who pour through books and and are just looking for um, something wrong so well, they can say ah yeah. you know I'm, I'm smarter than you are i I, I found this but, yeah, I, um, they,
0: they need that superiority thing
1: yeah. yeah you can't pay too much attention to that
0: no um a couple of quick questions, because uh, you've been very generous with your time with us so far, but I want to touch on one or two things. And then, of course, if anything I've not brought up, you want to bring up. That's absolutely for sure. But I do want to touch briefly on, on your friendship with Robert Ludlum.
1: Okay. Um, um, well, uh, um, Bob was not easy to be friends with. I mean, he didn't um, really. He was kind of curmudgeonly, and he didn't really like too many contemporary authors um so i was kind of stunned when um in 1980 um he and i sh- shared a, an a, an agent I'm, I'm still with that agent um and uh, his name is henry morrison he used to have um uh, parties wonderful parties for his um his clients about three or four times a year and um in 1980 my book the ninja and uh bob's book the The Bourne Identity were both on the bestseller list at the same time. And I guess this was in the summer sometime. uh, Henry had a party, and I I got to the party, and he said to me, um, uh, Bob Ludlam would like to meet you. And I said, (laughs) really? (laughs) And he said, yeah. He read The Ninja, he loved it, and he'd he'd like to meet you. So there was Bob in the corner uh, by himself nursing a whiskey, which Uh um, was always in his hand. And we sat down and started talking. And um, I loved Bob right away. He was had this deep. He was an actor and a and a, and a stage a stage actor and a stage mm-hmm. producer. And he had this very deep, sonorous, you know, booming voice that that um, wonderful actors have. You know, that kind of plummy voice. And um, he told me how much that he read the book and how much he loved it. And um, I told him how much I loved. <laughs> The, the Bourne identity, which I did, and we just started talking about characterizations and how much of, of us were in our respective characters, Nicholas Lanier and, and uh, Jason Bourne, um, because Bob said there's a piece of him in all his uh, all his main characters, but, but but Bourne was special to him, uh, the way Nicholas Lanier was special to me. I mean, we just sort of... Um, these books were just sort of so close to each other and so full of the same um, wonderful um, expressions of of honesty and loyalty and um, from our characters that we just sort of bonded right away and we just talked about how how to construct how we constructed thrillers and um, how bad everyone else's thrillers were. And, <laughs> <laughs> that was more Bob than me. I don't. I don't like to diss other people. I yeah. just don't. I don't uh, see the, the, the need to do that or the point in it. It's just everybody's got their own thing, and um, I'm a live and let live person, and, yeah. and uh, it's one of the things that my wife taught me. Um, uh, one of the one of the more wonderful things, and and we just spent the whole evening talking about uh, writing and how we, I mean, even though our, our, the way we did things were totally different. I mean, Bob would <clears throat> either write in longhand or, or he would dictate, he would, he would walk around um, his, um, his, his story. He would, he would write out each, I mean, he would read out each, each, uh, characterization and, and, oh. um, uh, and, and speech. And I didn't, I mean, I just you know i i just you know wrote the more more i guess prosaic way um, no. anyway um we just um became friends you know we we just agreed on so many different things we both um, um we both saw conspiracies all over the place but not crazy thing i mean not like um you know uh ufo's and that, that kind of stuff. But Bob was hooked into people at the, at the CIA, and mm-hmm. um, I was just starting that. And, and um, he knew about a lot of stuff. You know, he knew about Iran-Contra before it happened. And he, you know, so we would talk about that in very real terms, not in, uh, you know, crazy conspiracy things. Right. Uh, but um, the way, as, as things turned out, Now, decades later, you know, we were right about everything, all all the cover-ups in in government. Um, And that's what our books started out, you know, became. Um, So um, he he was a very, he was a very, he was very good to me. And he was um, a good friend, but he was distant. I mean, we never, we spoke over the phone, but we never really, you know, he wasn't someone who would uh, socialize. That was just not in his vocabulary. So it's not like, you know, we had dinner all the time or I went over to his house, or that just wasn't happening at all. Um, but we would speak. And that, that to me, that was the important thing. That's not seeing him in person, but just spending time with his brain. Because yeah. it was it was quite quite unusual
0: it made, of course, that connection. Made you the logical person to to carry on the the Bourne series.
1: Well, yeah, I mean that was very interesting. I mean, we we sh- uh, when I uh, Henry Morrison became my agent, we shared everything uh, agents, uh, um, accountants, uh, lawyers. So the accountants um, Markham and Kleigman uh, y- years years later, um, it's now now called Markham LLP, and the guy who is the managing general partner, Jeff Wiener, um, did all the, um, got very friendly with Bob and he, he not only did Bob's taxes and my taxes, but then he started uh, investing Bob's money for him because Bob had no interest in it. Hmm. And so when Bob, before Bob died, he had set, he set up a um, a foundation, not a foundation, I'm sorry, um, a, um, what do you call it? Trust, um, perhaps? Yeah, I trust. I'm sorry. I trust. Um, and Jeff was the uh, executor of the, of the trust, and, and Jeff was the one who made the deal for the, for the Bourne films with um, uh, Universal uh, Pictures. And after the first one came out and they were working on the second one, uh, Jeff and I would have lunch four or five times a year just as friends, and uh at one time he i think it was in 82 he said to me what are you working on i said i just well i just handed in this book and i don't know what i'm going to work on next And he said how would you like to write a jason bourne book and i said say what and he said <laughs> well you know uh the the, the the film is doing really well the dvd of the of the first film is the is the highest selling dvd um, year they're doing a the second one and i got the idea why not uh continue the series and put a book out every time a film is out and we could write on you know whatever they whatever they spend 50 100 million dollars for advertising um and i thought it was a no-brainer i thought that was a great idea and he said do you want to do it and i said i don't know let me let me th-. i said you know I, i'm not a writer for hire so i'm i'm not going to write in bob style and he right. said, no, I don't want you to do that. You do it in your own style. And, and, um, I said, well, I thought about it and I said, I'm not a ghostwriter either. So I, I, you know, my name has to be on. it." And he said, fine. <laughs> um, and I said, okay, let me go home and think about it. And I called my agent and, um, of course he knew about it cause Jeff had told, told him. And he <laughs> said, look, you know, if it's going to be fun, do it. If it, if it's not. Don't. He said, it's not going to make a material difference in your life. You know, you have a successful career and whatever. So he said, just think about it. I talked to my wife, and she said basically the same thing. And she said, if it interests you, um, do it. Otherwise, forget it. And the next morning, I woke up. Uh, this is literally true. I went into the shower, and I get my best ideas either in the shower or in the pool or out when I'm out swimming in the in the ocean or in the bay. Something about the water being, being detached from land. Um, helps me uh, think um, creatively, and while I was in the shower, I thought of the title of the book. I thought about, I thought of the premise of of the Bourne Legacy, and I got out. I called. Uh, I had a conference call with Jeff and, and Henry, my agent, and I told them. And they said, "Great," and that's how it started. <laughs> but you know, I, I I think in macro terms, so I didn't think about just doing one book. I said, "Look, you know, uh, Bob never." Meant for born to be a a franchise character, mm-hmm. so the way Bob had the character was, um, you know, he had him older, he had him married, he had two kids. The the, the kids were you know kidnapped. They were or threats. I said you can't have that. You know, on yeah. a if you're going to have a series of books. You can't. You just can't do that. Um, you you know you got to handle the character in a different way. And I said you have to have the character. Uh, um, Uh, understandable to the people who are coming to the books from the films you know there'll be a lot of people who've never read uh even though bob was insanely popular there are people in uh coming from the films who are going to read the books for the first time yes so they have to they have to uh, they have to recognize that character and so do the older you know so it was kind of a a walking a tightrope on on how on how to do it so we decided to, uh, I decided to, um, ship the kids off to, um, uh, Marie had a, um, a, her grandparents had a, had a, had a ranch in, uh, Northern Canada. So the kids went off there. Marie died in a skiing accident between books one and two. And, uh, cause they didn't want to have a revenge thing where she gets killed and yeah. one goes after her and they didn't want that. So I said, fine, I don't, Uh, they give me very little, you know, direction. I mean, there, there are very few things I can't do, but, Uh, you know, when it comes to characters that born created, like Marie and the kids, I I have to talk to them about it because it's, you know, they're not my characters. Mm -hmm. Um, so I, I mean, you know, and I said also, if he's married, he can't interact with any female characters and, you know, it, it just makes it too difficult. Um, yeah. Um, so they they were all for that. They said, whatever you want to do is is fine with us." So um, that's 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 been the uh, scenario for the last uh, decade or more. Well,
0: it's fine with we readers as well. Let me tell you, I can't tell you how Thank many you. nights I have been up with your work, and it's it's spectacular. It sucks you right in. And it's intelligent. i mean, i've I read pot boilers and and whatnot that you read as you put out cotton candy you you, you read it and you're done you, okay fine but these things i keep coming back to them because they make me think and i learn stuff from them so well uh, i
1: appreciate that roger i really do i thank it's, you. Uh, that makes me feel good because that's that's my intent and um when when people tell me that it's a, it, it's a I, you know i have a great feeling of accomplishment
0: well i and, and I want to channel a rod in my pool queue next too, but that's that's a whole other thing we'll talk about. um i shouldn't <laughs> i should I should uh, let you go because you have been extraordinarily generous with your time, but I did want to check and see if there's anything you want to mention on your website. Uh,
1: no well the the website is uh, eric i just re we just redid it, so it's it's uh, mobile friendly it's a it's a terrific site with a lot of information anything that you need to know about me will be on the site you can write to me um and i read everything that people re- uh send in i i can't um guarantee that you'll get a personal answer but most likely you will i mean unless it's some something <laughs> crazy <laughs> uh-huh. um, and, um, but I'm also on Twitter, I'm also on uh, Facebook, so you can find the Twitter, my Twitter feed is very active, and um, it's also a great place to find out um, what's happening with me
0: day to day. Fantastic, and, and if you like what you've been listening to and you're listening out there right now, you can get autographed copies of his book at VJ Books, we really appreciate it. Yes, my that.
1: friends at VJ Books, I love those guys. They're they're, they're wonderful, wonderful people. All right. I have a longstanding relationship with them.
0: Our guest this morning, Eric von Lusbader. His latest book is Any Moment Now. Highly recommended. Thank you so much for spending time with us today. My pleasure. Bye-bye. You've been listening to Modern Sign Books on Blog Talk Radio with book specialist Roger Nichols. Be sure to check us out at modernsignbooks.blogspot.com.